You are listening to episode 146 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we get battered, blasted, and botrud in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Uh, for all of you who don't know, Batra is the real king of the monsters. You know, I actually thought that was a lot better than you uh, anticipated. Yeah, yeah. I, I Sometimes I undersell myself, but, you know, I just, I take pride in crafting these little clever one-liners, and, and and I usually I'm very happy with them. To, the little last minute today, but still fine, still fine. Uh, better than the game, anyways. Uh, I actually kind of liked it, but we'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh for this episode in particular, we've got a, a few things. Uh, the first reason why we played Godzilla is we're going to be discussing the worst PlayStation 4 games. Uh, we will also have a little conversation around Atari denying that it is owned by Soldier Boy. And uh, Pokemon Legends, apparently the uh, new game, all the Pokemon are going to go extinct. <laughs> so let's uh, hear that little fan theory as well. But to start out, if you're listening to us on a podcast application, subscribe. You can also find us on thegamedeflators.com, find us on social media, at thegamedeflators on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, find us on Twitter, at gamedeflators. That being said, let's start off our recent pickups. Ryan, you kick it off. Okay, uh, so I ordered my first online order from GameStop that I've ever ordered, uh, and it wasn't video games. <laughs> I got a Gundam-themed mouse and mouse pad uh, for my home, and I'm excited about that. I've been... I think I've posted a few Gundam things. I've been like building some models and rearranging my shelves and stuff. So I'll get some more pictures up once I get some stuff done. Right now I'm working on panel lining my first one with a wing zero and I haven't had a whole lot of time to really put that together, but I'm working on it. Uh, also this week, uh, no game, but I got the Scarlet 2i2 audio uh, preamp for recording to make recording better from home when I do those remote episodes. So look forward to improved audio quality from the game deflators coming to a podcast near you. Uh, let's see. More so on Ryan's end. Cause mine has. Yeah. 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 John is <laughs> superior. I also finally set up a wired internet connection. Oh, so really? That, that'll be better. We can probably do some more stable video. So yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Making, making strides at some upgrades at, uh, the podcast remote station b that's what we'll call my house remote station b well the cool thing is that if i ever want to go over there to record an episode with you've got the two channel input now I'll be so able we to can make it work yeah. if i had a second mic i mean i could bring my mic it's just a cable and yeah if for anything happens we can do that yeah okay so we should totally buy another also, uh, it, xlr yeah yeah we podcasting on the on the move ah yeah that's true that. that's true we could do podcasting on the move so events and such this should be pretty cool there's got to be something I, I don't think that's portable enough to make that work really uh it's maybe. probably a bad idea maybe we'll see we can what we can do is strap on a car battery to your back and then we can always just have like charging we can just, Dude, I just want to be like billy on the street have you guys seen billy on the street i haven't billy Eichner. he's this funny guy he's in a bunch of stuff uh but he just like runs up yelling at people and asking them questions and they like have no idea how to he's just like answer so <laughs> we're gonna have you like full-blown laptop in front of you with a mic and everything car battery attached to your back to make sure that we have what power you, at all times what do you times. think about the recent sale for two million dollars for a sealed copy of mario how does that make you feel just random dude on the street 
pretty good. I think we should do it. Uh, well, is that it as far as your pickups? Uh, yeah, that's all the pickups. There is something I want to get. Uh, thank you, Game Pass. I saw that uh, Quake came out. Like some new remaster of Quake was in the news. Um, and that's going to be on Game Pass. And I've never played that. And I've been watching some videos recently where somebody was playing Quake. I think it was LGR. Um, so I kind of want to check that out. I've been preaching the the glory of Game Pass for a while now, and I feel like, you know, hashtag not sponsored. Wish it was sponsored. Never going to be sponsored. <laughs> hashtag, but, hashtag sponsored. We haven't used that in years. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm trying to get people to join the Game Pass revolution with me, and nobody's buying into it, but... Uh, well, you and Haz have officially become Xbox shills. That, yeah. That's what happened here. Well, I was uh, listening to... Um, dad and sons this week Elian was talking about dodgeball academia so i downloaded that tried a little bit of that that was pretty fun dodgeball academia that just sounds like it's every but, trope thing you could imagine from like a sports school anime but like in a paper mario wrapping but with like modern american animation style a la gumball oddly enough that is kind of exactly what i pictured i was like it's probably some weird american anime with yeah sports yeah that's yeah. exactly what it is okay but it seems fun it seems like it leans in all the tropes i mean uh from they were saying it sounded really fun so i checked that out uh i also did get to play um sea of thieves a couple times this week with some friends so that was fun being able to connect and do that and i love sailing so sailing the boat is just like the most fun part for me, just being at the helm and steering into the wind and are going there, to uh, places. Are there sea shanties? There are. There's like every there's like four or five different instruments. Mm -hmm. And then there's like different shanties that you can like pick from. And if you play, you all like play in synchrony. Hmm. It's cool. Interesting. Well, uh, as far as pickups are concerned this week, I should probably my list up here again but uh the one thing that's on top of mind for me is i did get my riser for the one-up arcade or arcade one-up the mortal kombat legacy edition also uh they sent in my panel my side panel need to be replaced so went ahead and got that done that was actually a bit of a bitch because the the way that these things are connected uh essentially you have to like slide the back panel on last like there was just it wasn't easy to just take apart and just put on a panel because to do it, you had to take off the bottom, which is connected. You had to unconnect it from every other area, right? The screen and everything. And then on top of it, I had to get into the machine itself and then unscrew. There's like some L brackets that attach it to the actual, um, the hardware itself for the control dock. And I had to, or the joystick and buttons and such. And so I had to take that off too. And so, oh man, like I was scared. Like that thing just kind of collapsed at the last second when I was trying to put on this new panel. So I'm hoping I don't have to come across a new panel ever again. The down I mean, does that like speak to the quality of the construction on it? Like, well, do you feel like it's very sturdy having kind of gone through that now? So, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it's not going to be like a standard machine, right? You're not going to have a full blown like 
thicker wood front, right? It's going to be like that really thin wood or, or cardboard, whatever the hell they use uh, on the front of the, the cabinet itself. I think there's ways that you could potentially reinforce it. Like if you wanted to say, for example, replace the front and put your own decal on there with your own piece of like thin wood, you very well could do that. I don't think from a construction aspect that it's that bad. It is what it is. Um, I actually think it's constructed pretty well. I mean, they're solid. Um, it's just Dude, a matter of- reach out to friend of the show, Paul and ask him to come up with a custom game deflators cabinet design and then you can use your practical homemaking skills to build that and customize your own one-up arcade. That would actually be pretty Sick badass. as hell. Yeah, that would be pretty badass of a game deflators arcade. You know, I, I might have to contact him. <laughs> so be like, dude, design this. Let's see how this works. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was pretty cool, like taking it apart and everything. Of course, you know, like I said, I got scared in that one moment, but I put it back together. Um, no major issues outside of that. It runs like a champ. It's on top of the, uh, the riser itself. The riser is actually pretty steady or uh, pretty sturdy. I mean, the only thing I do not like, though, is that to keep the riser like fully in place so it doesn't wobble, you have to drill into the sides of the cabinet art which I don't want to do. So what I have to figure out is the best solution outside of that. So a couple things I've read are to either Velcro strip the entire bottom and then Velcro strip the riser itself so it sits on Velcro. The other option is to wedge like L bracket pieces of plastic or something super like soft but flexible in there. Uh, so that way it can kind of stay in place. Main reasons if you have kids and they come and they try and topple it, now you've got an issue with this arcade machine toppling. So that's something I'm going to have to consider down the road. Uh, but overall, I think it's great. I really like it. There's decals that you can buy on Etsy that show like the full blown Mortal Kombat outline on the bottom. Uh, you can get like marquee toppers that have all of the move sets. You can get. Um, uh, what is it like frames that you could put on your screen itself that should have moved sets. There's like really cool things that people have been Lots creating of aftermarket. Yeah, stuff. Cool. yeah, exactly. There's a lot of cool stuff. So I might look into that down the road. Um, I, of course, will buy another one of these based on the experience I've had with their customer service, based on the quality of the build so far. And just the overall experience I've had with the playing it. You know, it's been a lot of fun. And future plans for selling a game deflators arcade cabinet yeah exactly we'll we'll have to contact soldier boy to see how he gets around nintendo's policies right uh, soldier boy we hear that you're offering millions of dollars for gaming companies we would like to take you up on a proposal yeah have you right? heard of the game deflators you heard of game deflators yeah. you may have heard of us yeah you may have heard of us but if you haven't that's because you're just not in the know uh so we've yeah, covered but, your content before <laughs> just don't listen back to it uh, the other thing I got was uh, Magic the Gathering cards. So I've been, of course, continuing to Who build didn't? my... Who didn't? Yeah. I've been trying to build up my Goblins deck. I've also been selling cards as well, in addition to that. So uh, a lot of the cards from the collections I picked up recently, I've been flipping them, you know, on TCG and kind of had a little store up and all of that. So I've already made, what is it, four sales for about 17 cards and, I don't know, 30-something bucks, roughly, uh, which isn't bad. So I'm just selling commons on commons, nothing super big, all like $1.50 rares and whatnot, or $1.50 commons on commons. So that's what I've been doing on that front. And uh, I went ahead and pre-ordered all the upcoming D&D books. So the Strixhaven uh, set, uh, the Fizzbane's Dragon one, and then the, uh, the Witchlight one, Under the Witchlight, I think it's called. And Are that they one... all adventures? Uh, no. So the Fizzbane's is supposed to be a campaign setting or like supplemental guidebook, which is pretty cool cover uh the uh, strixhaven is a setting so it's going to be similar to the raven lofts you know kind of setting the tone for strixhaven that world. was the last 
That was the last MTG set, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And it's a badass cover. Uh, and then the Witchlight is actually like a level five to ten or level one to five adventure okay. um, around the Feywild. So it should be pretty cool as well. So um, trying to dig into it, but I think the next campaign I'm going to actively run is going to be via what is it into the Abyss or out, out of, of the Abyss? abyss? Why are yeah. you going to run that one? Uh, everybody's been wanting to run it. Like they've just been. We wanted to continue that after oh. you know you ended up not being able to finish it with us. So it's more so a let's go ahead and hear the rest of the story type of situation. Yeah, I don't think I would ever go back to that campaign. <laughs> well, I mean, the way that I ran like Avernus and how I've been running it is I've been mixing it up quite a lot. So I've got, you know, the main book that I follow, but I read the entire thing in its entirety. Entire thing in its entirety, that. right? That's where I screwed up. So I did that. So that kind of set the tone for me. Like I was able to see in advance, like here's kind of how I want to formulate the story, right? So I want this character to have this type of background, which is going to come into play at this point in the campaign. And how do we get from point A to point B? Well, here's the things that I'm going to throw in their way. And so I would say out of what I've run so far, I would say it's been about 75% story, 25% homebrew in what I've done so far. And there's been a number of situations that I've thrown at the characters that have been homebrew. And, uh, you know, I ha I've kept it fresh for myself in a sense where instead of going directly by the book, I've been keeping it very fresh and just kind of throwing things their way and kind of recreating things and creating like little stories within the game. So, for example, uh, when I had Baphomet come out, Baphomet's not supposed to come out in that part of the campaign. The only he only comes out in that part of the campaign if you grab like this crown that's on uh, Older Ravenguard, the leader of Flaming Fist. When you grab his crown, then it's supposed to kind of have these visions, and you could see Baphomet in these visions and see like the blood war going on. There's nothing tied to Baphomet outside of that at all throughout the entire campaign, from what I've read. You can put him in in a homebrew, which is what I did. And I put him in like to a dreamscape type of world. And kind of like what you did with me with that demon Lord and out of the abyss. Yeah. I created in a sense, this connection with Justin's character where now he is in league with a demon Lord and he doesn't have much of a choice. He kind of has to follow these orders or die. And so that's kind of what I threw in there and it's working out well, man. Like it works with the story. It forces the characters to think about different things need to happen. He's been very open with the fact that he touched his demon Lord's hand and made a deal and all this other crazy stuff. So it's kept it very fresh. Um, it's definitely got the players pretty engaged with what's going on and they're kind of in their own side stories and what they do. So I've got text messages coming through for different things. I've got people asking me questions on the back end about like, Oh, well, what about this part of my backstory? And you know, what happens with this character and their backstory? So it's, it's really working out nicely to have that in play. And you know, I'd, I'd probably do something very similar if out of the abyss. Uh, but that's a different one because there's a lot of demons in that one. So when you guys know most of the story, well, yeah, we know most of the story, well, not but really even, well, and it depends, right? So I the might first third, maybe, and I would take like a different twist on it. Right. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't go into like, God, you really want to manage that many NPCs, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I have the characters manage every single aspect of battle. So mm. I don't manage any of the battle for any of my NPCs. I hand the NPCs off to somebody else. I'll manage a story component and them talking, but I don't manage any of the battle components that's on the characters and, uh, or my players. And if they want to manage multiple players, they're more than welcome to, uh, otherwise I'll kill some NPCs if need be and lower the monster difficulty. I think I life's to. too short and D and D campaigns are too long to waste two years replaying the same campaign. 
I don't know if it'd take me two years. I mean, I've only been doing uh, Avernus for, what, eight months now, give or take a month off in terms of, you know. Well, but I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you spend a year playing a campaign and you spend another year playing the same campaign, you're spending two years playing the same campaign. Well, yeah, no, I get you. But I mean, I'm playing, I've played about seven months total of Avernus with the players and we just got to Avernus. We're on chapter three. There's only five chapters. Mm-hmm. We're literally about halfway down with the campaign already. Well, better luck to you, my friend. <laughs> well, if you want to join, you're more than welcome I'm to. Making it very obvious right now that I will not be. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you don't want to play the, uh, the big bulky French guy that you made? I forget what his name was. Oh, um, the Quagoth. Yeah, the Quagoth, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't even remember his by, name. By the way, in um, Joel's campaign, uh, he just put us face-to-face against Rigaldo. Oh, really? You remember who that was? Yeah. Yeah, so we had to battle Rigaldo, and the entire time, oh, Joel was doing the accent and everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like it was done before. And so he was like... Rigaldo doesn't like what you're doing here and he would like put him in stance and everything and do these weird stances as we're playing and I just could not stop laughing dude as to how dumb that was and just thinking back on it so uh but yeah that was the only pickups uh playing wise I've been picking up some Apex Legends again recently been playing a lot of arenas dude arenas is fun and they have ranked arenas now which is pretty cool the issue I've been having at Apex is they have some server problems so I was into a server for Salt Lake City, and that server was just bouncing me for matches. I could be sitting there in a room with Justin, we'd all hit accept for the match, and then they would go into a match and I would be sitting there lagged, lagged out, not able to do anything. And it's not like my internet's bad, because I'm able to stream movies, stream games, or not stream games, stream movies, stream TV shows, play games online, like other games. Apex is the only issue I was having. Hmm. So we got that solved. I, I'm now on an Oregon server, and that seemed to work well last night. And then I played a little more God of War um, the last few days. So I met the second dwarf brother, and uh, that was about it. And then progressed a little bit beyond that. The dwarves are the best part. Yeah, so met him, and then we got to the base of a mountain, and then we saw um, like this black spewing out of, like this black fog spewing out of a mouth. And then that was kind of where I stopped uh, last night. So I'll pick up from there and played a little bit more of Ori, which was a lot of fun. So my wife and I have, uh, of course, continued to play that game. And it's been good. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to our articles this week. So the first one is the worst PlayStation 4 games. This is uh, DeVille Love, I think, or Low. Dude, my eyesight is so bad. It's like Lou, L-O-U-W. So we'll say Lou. And uh, he is at Fortress of Solitude. That is the publication that he runs or website. So we obviously played um, Godzilla on this one. We got it off this list. This list is an interesting, like, there's so much on here that I know and some things on here that I don't know and some things that I'm like, okay, this makes sense. We'll go on uh, through the list. We'll see. Uh, okay, so yeah. uh, first up on this list is uh, Drawn to Death. Uh, I remember when this was was coming out, it definitely looked interesting, and it seems like that's kind of the biggest gripe with it is that that's where it kind of stops. It looks interesting and then doesn't have a lot there beyond that one. Um, 
The Order 1886, I didn't even realize that that was a launch title for the PS4 because I didn't get into the PS4 until like Final Fantasy 15. So I think that, you know, the biggest disappointment with that is just that people were expecting, okay, PS4, this is going to be this big, awesome, gorgeous game. And it was a gorgeous game, but it was short and clunky. I feel like if this was a game that I borrowed from you and played, I would probably have a much better chance of appreciating it and enjoying it than people did then. So I bought that game as my second PS2, PS4 title, and it, or no, third PS4 title. It was the second one I beat, so I beat um, that horror game that you kind of make the decisions. I forget what it's called, right? It's got the skull on the front. Uh, I forget the name. But um, it's not a big deal. But uh, Order 1886 was the next game I played. I absolutely love that game. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And I mean, I bought it for like $5, so there wasn't a whole lot of like, oh, That's I paid the thing, $60. You didn't pay 60 bucks for a five hour yeah, game. I get it, but like, at launch. But worst PlayStation 4 games? No. I think the disappointment factor, like, I think it stands in people's mind. Like, if if you got a launch game that was supposed to carry and show the new console and you beat it, like, in your first sitting and there was nothing else to go back to, because that didn't have, like, a multiplayer component or anything like that, I don't believe. Well, when historically have launch games really been, like, phenomenal, right? Like, Returnal, I hear, is pretty good, right? And that's more of a launch title, but... That wasn't a launch title. I thought Returnal was a launch title. Or it came out, like, it came out, shortly after. It came out, like, a few months ago. Yeah. No, it's been out longer than that. Has it? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I don't know, dude. I don't have a PS5. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, if you really look back at it, like since when in history have we had like great, great launch titles, like games that came out the same day as that console, like maybe Breath of the Wild on the Switch, but I wouldn't even call that a launch title because it was on the Wii U as well. So there's I, launch. Uh, we've talked about this before. We should do some launch lineup review things. I think that, that would be great to see what like the value of a launch lineup is worth now. There's a good concept. Come, hey, if you think that that sounds like an episode you would listen to, let us know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next up, Godzilla. Uh, we just played Godzilla. We'll go in depth about Godzilla later. It's yeah. a bad game. Uh, hardware rivals. This is like some twisted metal like. I've never even heard of it. I've never. I'm looking at the screenshots here. It doesn't look remarkable or that interesting. I don't know what it is. Uh, basement crawl. This is like a Bomberman style game. It looked interesting from the picture. Uh, I've never heard of this one either. Same, yeah. Knack. I'm surprised to see Knack on this list. Knack was also a launch title, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was. Or it feels like a launch title. Like there's something about Knack. I know we've definitely talked about this, but games like Knack and Cameo, like games that are like feel like they're from that era and they're like a launch title kind of thing and they're supposed to get you like oh oh it's so good looking like look at these effects and stuff well so knack i mean i i don't understand that why that one's on here given that you know it they have a knack too so it had to have sold well enough to have a knack too and there had to have been enough like critical claim for it for it to move on to that next phase right because if it wasn't a good game I mean, that's not to say that there aren't good games or bad games that don't get remakes, but or that do get remakes. But at the end of the day, I mean, Knack, I don't think is that bad. I think people think that it's bad because they've never played it, but those people have never watched 
the Super Beard Bros playthrough of it. I mean, Their actually, Let's Play is great. Yeah, it's actually a pretty cool game. I mean, I, I have to. Pl- I want to play with my wife really bad. Like, there is that multiplayer component to it. And I think that's Knack Two. I thought Knack One had multiplayer as well. Mm. We'd have to look up. I, I, I think Knack Two has multiplayer. Well, while you do that, I will try to prove you wrong. Go. Uh, so next up, The Quiet Man. Uh, this one came out just a couple years ago, I think. Uh, it's interesting in that it stars a deaf protagonist, but it's awkward in that the game has utter eerie silence for most of it, I guess. So I don't know. I never played it. I heard people talk about it and say that it wasn't great. So there's that. Uh, next up, Bravo Team. This is a PSVR game. John, do you have this one? Uh, I think I do, actually. Okay. So maybe we'll check that one out at some point. Uh, I don't know. VR Call of Duty. Uh, VR never really caught on enough, I guess, for it to have a big enough community to really do well, or it just wasn't that great. It says it feels like an outdated tech demo, uh, which I would imagine a lot of early VR does. Uh, Next up, Dawn of Fear. Oh, wait. Is John about to tell me that I'm right? Uh, no, John is about to tell you that Knack has local co-op two-player. Bam. From Co-Optimus. Thank uh-huh. you, Co-Optimus, for uh, proving me correct on Ryan. I Go only on, believe Ryan. Co-Optimus Prime. You. <laughs> uh, so Dawn of Fear, uh, it's a Resident Evil type game. You see a pattern on here. A lot of the bad games are games that are trying to imitate better games and fell short. Uh, so you could check that out if you're interested in the Resident Evil franchise, but want to see a worse version. And then finally on this list, a game that I did not expect to see, but makes so much sense. Uh, Life of Black Tiger. I had never heard of that game. So Life of Black Tiger is an interesting game. I've definitely heard, I think I've heard Stephanie Sterling talking about this before, but it's, it's very much in the same vein of like what's going on with, abandoned right now like it was a game that was like pushed by playstation in like like they showed like a trailer or or a clip of it or something in like a sizzle reel for like playstation exclusive games at some point I, i think if i'm remembering this right and it's just like some really crappy like one man project thing that's like more of like an asset conglomeration. It's not like a real solid game at all. And it's, you know, I always feel bad kind of like criticizing indie people that are out there doing their best, but I don't really remember enough to say if it, you know, was like a genuine effort or if it was just kind of some kind of cheap attempt at cash in or or who really knows um but i know that it was poor and and, uh overpriced and on playstation well uh i would say that that is a pretty decent list for the most part i do own three of those games i don't think that those three games i own godzilla order 1886 and knack should be on that list. What else belongs uh, on this list? So what is missing from this list is Biomutant. <laughs> That's one. Oh, okay. It's one of the worst games I ever. I actually just saw a headline that it uh, made its money back. Did Sold it? Sold a million copies. I don't know how. That game is terrible. I mean, good for them. Yeah, good for yeah, them. If they made and their money back, they could try again. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. It's THQ Nordic, so I have like some of their stuff that's come out before. Um, although not the same. I think they just published it. Uh, but... 
the other one I think that needs to be on there is Town of Light. Town of Light is by far one of the worst games I have ever played. And, and honestly, I only played like an hour and a half of it. And it was pretty rough. Uh, so you pretty much go to this town that's been abandoned for the most part. And you're just kind of searching through all these different buildings. And graphically, it's horrible. It's super glitchy. The audio is crap. Like, it's just not good. And then the other one that should probably be on here is Agony. Uh, Agony is oh, that was a, a huge letdown. Terrible for you. game, a huge letdown. And uh, you know, maybe I'll pick it up one day at the like a year from now. Hopefully, they've fixed a bunch of bugs and patch stuff. I doubt it, um, but we'll see. I mean, that game literally made like physically made me sick because of just all the red and brown. Like it's just so hard to differentiate where you're going. It is it's like a PS2 or PS3 game that you're playing on PS4. I mean, and, these are all exclusive games, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, no, that's true. They are all exclusive. So I totally understand it kind of, you know, kind of lowers you down, right, in, in regard to the options available to you for this list. But, you know, I think... Because it'd be great to see, like, Fallout 76 on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard some good things <laughs> on that one. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at a list of exclusive PS4 games uh, and kind of go from there. But, yeah, I, I think there's three that could be on there and... Uh, you know, they are on PS4, so they're still bad. Right. Uh, let's next see. up. The next up is the uh, Atari Denies It's Owned by Soldier Boy. This is uh, Rich Stanton, if I can see that correctly, at, at PC, PC Gamer. Gamer. And so basically, Soldier Boy made some sort of like Twitter video or post uh, talking about how uh, he owns Atari. And how Atari is going to be purchasing like $140 million worth of the Soldier Boy console. I don't, I didn't even think that thing was still around, the Soldier Boy console. So I did a little digging uh, after I was reading this because this is a short article. Apparently, he was also sponsoring or made like a Soldier Boy console by doing the same thing, buying some, you know, Chinese emulator machine and reselling it under like a different name there was like a game boy style device but could also run windows or not windows uh android so it was like a game boy form factor that you could also play like call of duty mobile on or netflix or you know stuff that you actually like you can't get netflix on the switch so this is an interesting thing but like there's so many of those things out there that like it's not like him doing it and then there's this new console that's like xbox series looking ish but it's probably just going to be the same thing like no matter how many times he tweets and says we're going to do it from the ground up and it's going to be like a whole new thing like i'll believe it when i see it like i'm not saying that you know he can't be ambitious and he can't try to do those things i'm just saying the last time when he ripped everybody off saying that that's what he was doing that's not what he was doing no exactly so kudos to him for uh, being an entrepreneur and ripping people off yeah i mean yeah. that's the thing you know if you got money like him like i'm sure that he made more money than he ever knew what to do with you know i don't know how successful his career is now I mean, his song was huge when I was in high school. Yeah, Everybody he, knew the dance. He was Superman and Hoes all day long. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't listen to music very much. So, I mean, if he's doing good music and he can steamroll that into other things, I mean, that's how you get big is by owning stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that. Uh, Atari did make a, a tweet later on saying, like, you know, our CEO is X. You know, yeah. I forget his name, but, like, this is our CEO, and we're proud to have him as our CEO. It's got to just be, you know, him trying to stir up online talk so that he can raise awareness for his stuff. other console and stuff. Because it's like, how easy is it to just go on and be like, I own Atari, the first rapper to own a video game company. And then it's like, okay, well... That's how you get own the Atari, but yeah. he's like, no, no, not Atari. I own Soldier Boy video games, and we're gonna buy Atari. <laughs> you know, you can spin the story a little bit at a time. Any way to get trending, man? Like that's, I guess that's what it comes down to. I mean, to, we're right? talking about it. We would never be talking about Soldier Boy here. I just, I wanted to put it on here because it was just ridiculous. It's just one of those like funny gaming articles that I like to find. Uh, yeah, so this was interesting. Uh, no, he does not own Atari. As far as we know, uh, could he own Atari? Maybe. Maybe he owns an Atari casino, Ryan. Right. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Dude, Atari I casino still wish hotel. they opened that Atari hotel here they were gonna. Yeah, so that was just like uh, an idea, right? They never actually went through with it? I mean, I don't think they broke ground. I think it was just concept. I thought they had like four or five locations. I mean, this was going to be like the first one, I thought. I'm, I'm going to look this up really quick because I, uh, I could have sworn that they had like five different locations. Um, yeah, there's no news as of like December 2020. Uh, <laughs> Soldier Life. Boy bought them. Nintendo. They're Soldier Boy hotels. You got to search for that. <laughs> so Nintendo Life's uh, thing on here is random. Rapper Soldier Boy claims he owns Atari. Atari doesn't say or, you know doesn't whatever uh atari launching crypto casinos that will work of its old games is another one and it was three weeks ago uh atari announces food fight remake uh that was uh, cbr.com said that so yeah um the atari hotels nothing has happened since like december like they haven't had any news on this so i don't know maybe it's not happening yeah yeah well Regardless, let's move into other things that are extinct, like Atari uh, and its whole platform. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. The new Pokemon are probably going to go extinct. And this is Ian Walker at Kotaku. I could have sworn we had an Ian Walker article last week as well, or two weeks ago. Could be. Uh, yeah, most likely. We do a lot of Kotaku. Uh, so yeah, basically, this is kind of a fan theory in a sense, saying that because this is like a prequel type of setting, and a lot of the Pokemon that you see here are not in uh, the newer games, or the older games for the most part, uh, that they have gone extinct. And when you think about this, it makes a ton of sense when you think about it, like Omanyte and uh, Kabutops and all that. Like You have these extinct Pokemon that they talk about, within the the games like red and blue like it's been there since the beginning of those games so it wouldn't be so far-fetched that every single one of these pokemon <laughs> have gone extinct far-fetched <laughs> oh that's funny um only in australia apparently only in australia uh but yeah so it, it wouldn't be so far-fetched i'll say it again uh that these pokemon would not go extinct over time and i think the the concept here that he brings up is that due to man-made structures and you know people coming in and destroying land that these pokemon have become extinct it's like this environmental spin on pokemon and honestly i welcome it i think it's it's pretty cool to have like this prequel type of setting to try and create like this first pokedex and you have you know whatever situations are occurring maybe in game that are killing off these new poke or these old pokemon uh, I like it. I think it's actually pretty cool. So did you watch the direct? 
a long time ago i did like whenever it was first announced no there was a new one this week no i didn't see it yet okay so they showed off more footage uh for everything um i know graphically it doesn't stand up to a lot of titles well so it doesn't look that great and like they showed a lot more footage but the footage they showed was okay there's like some large boss pokemon that have like red eyes and they will make attacks at you and you have like the ability to like run around and dodge in the field so i'm wondering like you know we've seen like you standing next to your Pokemon and the list of attack options and having your Pokemon do their attack. And then you have to run around and dodge, you know, potential attacks from the Pokemon. Um, why aren't we just controlling the movement of the Pokemon and being the Pokemon in more of a direct way instead of still just having command attacks for the Pokemon and you got to run around and dodge as the person in an engagement where you don't really exchange back blows or anything like it doesn't read to me as like a more exciting or engaging like type of combat it j it's a different kind of combat but it's like if you're gonna have an active combat just be the pokemon yeah i get it but i mean we got poking tournament right and smash bros but that, uh, for that th those are fighting games no i know i know this is like an open world thing it's i guess like, i just so i think that there's well, it makes sense because think about it this way. If you were playing as a Pokemon... There'd be too many animations. That you would also have to consider how do you control the actual movesets. At the, at the end of the day, all you're doing in that respect is still doing this whole like turn-based combat where it's like, okay, I use X and I move forward. Like You're not actively... I guess if you did it like the Final Fantasy VII remake where you're actively like in battle yeah. and having to select things, I, I could Kingdom see that. Or Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I can But the see thing that. is, like, those games work because you've got, like, a few main characters. Now, imagine having to have, like, complex dodge animations and stuff for 130 Pokemon or something. Like, that becomes outrageous, especially with, like, how do you control a flying one versus how do you control, like, a tiny Weedle versus a giant this. Like, I get that there's so many complications, but, like, I think that this isn't the giant leap forward i think people are really excited for this and i think it's gonna be ultimately the same thing uh feeling wise like i don't think anybody's gonna walk away from this being like oh my god i can't wait for the next one of this exact same thing i think it'll just be like the first tiptoe into trying to do something different and whatever doesn't get hated on will progress to the next stage. Well, and I think this kind of shows the limitations of a Nintendo Switch. You know, at the end of the day, like if this was a game that was being produced on, say, like the PS5 or the Xbox Series X, you know, what would you be getting different than you are with Nintendo? I mean, Nintendo is pretty much running to an extent, I, I would say, a high-powered PS3. You know, like that's how I've always visioned it. So they're so far last gen. It's basically... Basically, to Wii U. <laughs> I don't on... think it needs like crazy good. But I think it's more so on the limitations of the hardware and other things that are like keeping this back. Like if yeah. if you had, they, I you saw need a picture, more power. Yeah, I saw a picture the other day that we had need like the pro. 
there was a picture the other day that showed like a landscape view of Skyrim mm-hmm. or not Skyrim, sorry, Oblivion actually, and showed like all the trees and the vast landscape and mountains and everything else that are tied to that particular title. And then they showed Pokemon and it's like sparse little trees yeah. here and there and it's like flat green field. Yeah. And yeah, it's a different type of graphic, right? Like a different art style that you're going with. You're not going for that realism type of look. You're going for more of that animation, like anime style. And so I get it what they're trying to do with that. But at the end of the day, is that console bringing down what could be a fantastic Pokemon game? Well, and I mean, look at what you can do with an art style like uh, Dragon uh, Dragon Quest. You know, Dragon Quest games look absolutely amazing. Or like if you've seen the new uh, Tales uh, demo that's out, like the fields and stuff in that look absolutely amazing. And it's like those aren't necessarily like you know, crazy high def, super graphics. Like they're very cartoony and stylized, you know, well, and, and it, they still put in way more effort and they get way more out of it. Like everybody accuses them of doing it. And I think, you know, it's, it's, they haven't been working in a parameter where they can really do a lot. Like in a Pokemon game, you only have so many blocks that you're running through and you can't have all of those be trees in a dense forest. But now that you're moving into like more of an actual environment, like you gotta step up that effort and make the world feel more believable. Well, I mean, we've only seen a handful of things, right? So for all we know, there are like dense forest-like locations and cave systems and other things in this in this game that we're not fully aware of. And so I, I think it's more of a wait and see approach right now to kind of see how this pans out. Uh, I will get this game. Do you think I, it'll I def- come out on time? I think it'll, like, do they delay Pokemon games? Has that ever happened? I mean, off the top of my head, I wouldn't know, probably. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they've delayed a game. But, I mean, Nintendo, for the most part, has always been pretty deliberate as far as, like, putting their games out on a schedule. Like, when they say they're going to deliver, they typically deliver. January, I think, 28th. Of uh, 2022? Yep. I mean, dude, we're still, that's four months or let's just say three months of development and finishing this game so it can go out the print and be shipped out like i we'll see um i'm pretty confident this is going to be a good game i think that if it is successful that's only going to mean additional games of this style will be put out down the road and that's more so why i'm looking to purchase this because at the end of the day i like the direction you're going here right so i want to support that and i want to make sure that more games of this nature come out down the road now does this become the next uh pokemon mystery dungeon series or does this replace the mainline series i think this replaces the mainline series because i think that the mainline series has become kind of stagnant in a sense yeah um you know i I've seen my wife play it and it's a lot of the same old, same old. Yeah, there's upgrades. There's different things you can do. And Pokemon fans out there will shit all over us for, you know, kind of talking about it yeah. in disrespect. But we had an episode that we talked about, what was it, like a year ago where we said Pokemon is dead. Yeah. You know, like it's it really is at the end of the day. Like a lot of like I just like play these it. extinct Pokemon. My yeah. love for Pokemon. Your love for Pokemon. Well, my love I mean, for Pokemon will never go extinct, but my desire to play them and purchase them will. I mean, and you're talking to like, or not talking to, but you're hearing two people that are in their 30s that have been playing, have played Pokemon since it we came own out. Almost all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think the last two are the only ones that I don't own. Yeah. Yeah. So I own just about all of them except like Sword and Shield um, and the Mystery Dungeon games. I just haven't had an interest in those. But yeah, so I own uh, a bulk of the titles. 
and my wife plays them all the time uh, whenever she gets sad on her list. And you and I grew up playing Pokemon. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I remember, you know, uh, printing out pictures and drawing and doing all these crazy things with Pokemon when I was a kid because it was that crazy. And so, you know, we it's not to say we hate Pokemon. We love the Pokemon franchise and all that it is. Uh, but at some point, it has to evolve. And so I think this is that evolution. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, so I think this is the next step for Pokemon moving forward. And I'm going to support this. And whenever I have a kid and they're playing video games, like I want them to be able to see like this, you know, progression of Pokemon, like where it was with red and blue all the way up to whatever the heck is out at that point in their life. Uh, I hope they can turn it around. I would love to see them, you know, succeed at revitalizing and, and giving some new life and well they did with pokemon go i mean pokemon go is that's super got su- its five-year anniversary now too if you could believe that that's insane i know my mom still plays it <laughs> you so, were still playing it like a year ago no i stopped playing about two and a half years ago oh was it that long ago now yeah i remember yeah, just, I, you guys used to all talk about it and go meet up on the weekends and well stuff. yeah but you know stuff happens with people yeah. and that just kind of because of all that, we stopped playing. I think Joel was the last one to play, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even play anymore. Um, and we, COVID killed it. Well, I wouldn't say COVID killed it. We all just kind of transitioned to Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. So, Because it's an easier way to just kind of hang out with friends and meet up, and uh, there's a lot of uh, fun tied into that. So, I mean, Less God, walking. Yeah, less walking, more somebody talking. else. Yeah, talking and your <laughs> character walking. All right, so the next part of our episode here is the 2014-2015 Godzilla release. Uh, So released in Japan like December of 2014, and it was released in the U.S. or North America in uh, July of 2015. So so I say 2014-2015. But this was developed by uh, Natsume. It was published by Bandai Namco. I could not find a designer on this one. Uh, The game type, it says action-adventure fighting. I guess you could say that. Um, I would say more like world destroying. It's like destroying. a third-person arena fighter. Yeah, it's interesting where you crush buildings. If you've ever played War of the Monsters, uh, very similar to that. Uh, reception is in the 3 to 4 out of 10 range, roughly. 3 is the lowest. You got like 1.5 in there, and then a bunch of 4s, like a 4.5 uh, that came out. Uh, so my overall thoughts on this game, you know, we, we played it for about 30 minutes to an hour. I uh, played a couple different modes. We played the King of Monsters mode where you have like this stage type of situation where you start stage one and you can kind of have a branching path in the direction you want to go, whether that's, you know, in our case, we it's went to like Star Fox. Yeah, we went to like this Ferris wheel type of area where we had to destroy these energy buildings, essentially. And to your that's point, every mission, you got to destroy these energy buildings. Well, the ones that we played. Oh, and true. then, yeah. And then you have, like Ryan said, the Star Fox type of situation where these uh, characters that are talking about like, oh, Godzilla, you know, is uh, has to destroy the following or like Godzilla is going to destroy this building. So it's really weird because like in Star Fox, you have, you know, the different characters that are talking to Fox about what he has to do. But in this particular game, you're actively playing Godzilla and trying to destroy things. And you have these like animated characters coming up talking about how, oh, no, Godzilla is heading for this. Oh, no, Godzilla is doing this. Like. In a sense, they kind of tell you the mission and what you have to do, but they're doing it in a sense that, like, they're combative and defensive, like they need to stop Godzilla. And so that was pretty cool. I felt that the controls were a little limiting in what we were playing. Uh, The destruction meter was cool, being able to go around and destroy buildings, but I would like to have seen more, like, boost, essentially, to Godzilla. So, like, as that destruction meter increases, not only just his size, but more of his power kind of comes out as more things are destroyed. 
And from what we experienced in playing, it was a new Godzilla that you play with, because there's various Godzillas you can play with in this game. Uh, you have like your, your beam that you could shoot out of your mouth. Uh, you've got your standard claw attacks, your tail whip, and then a charge. And that's about it. That's what you're limited to. Um, and then there are several boss battles that occur uh, within the actual like piece that we played on that on that end. Then there's like the great kaiju mode that you played, or uh, king of kaiju's or something mode. And in it's like a boss rush, yeah, you gotta. How fast can you beat six bosses in a row? Yeah, or how fast can they beat you? Yeah, how uh, fast can was it Barada? Barada, yeah. So that was actually pretty. Oh interesting. no, Batra, Batra, yeah. How, how fast can Batra wreck your shit? Yeah, so that was pretty interesting because you have like a five stage, at least what we played was a five stage uh, boss rush. goes up to six, yeah, so we so you, lost. So you had like a Mecha Godzilla, you had... Um, Batra, Batra every time. Flying Batra. Uh, what is the Batra other one? revisited. What was the other one? Like Angrius? Oh, uh, Angiris. Angiris. Angiris is classic. And then there uh, was uh, Hidora, I think was the other one. Yeah, Hidora, I think was the Something name. like that. Yeah, it's the like muck monster one. Yeah, I, I'm not super familiar with the Godzilla franchise in that respect, like all the way back to those classic monsters. I love monsters. the classic Toho Godzillas. Yeah, I so actually have like this super old Godzilla action figure on my shelf from like when I was a little kid. But the really cool thing about that mode, though, was that you saw the question marks and it said select your your kaiju yeah you can unlock probably a ton like yeah. it looks like there's a lot of content to be unlocked but god bless the poor slob that wants to go through all of it to unlock that well especially because like those other monsters seem like they all had way better oh yeah move sets than godzilla so i would love to play somebody else but you only start off with like two godzillas yeah and you have like 1964 godzilla and like modern day godzilla or it's 20, not 2014 Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess it would be modern in 2014. It's yeah. pre our chubby American Godzilla. Although yeah. it did have him in the intro. Yeah. It? No, and that's who you play in that one. It had that like chubby type of Godzilla. That Godzilla style has been around for a while. It was interesting to see like the blue like radiation or lightning yeah. kind of coming off his back. Um, but here's the thing, man. Uh, the game itself is super clunky only because you're walking as Godzilla in like this giant city and uh the other part was the tank controls i think once you get past that the tank controls and the overall like slow pace walking of godzilla it's actually not that bad i mean it works it's just the thing that doesn't work about this is like how it is repetitive well it it's like such a limited move set and it doesn't feel good like you've got your laser breath and you're supposed to have like a sweep or like a blast Either way, it takes forever to recharge and it doesn't really do a whole lot. Like, it's like, oh, this radiation blast that could turn a city to fire in seconds. But in reality, once every five seconds, you could blow up a small building with it. Yeah. Or a tank or a helicopter. Like, you don't feel that strong. Uh, as you destroy stuff, you collect energy that makes you grow taller and you've got like a size meter prominently displayed. But like we wrecked a whole level, destroyed everything in it, and we didn't even grow a meter taller. We went from like the low 54s to the high 54s because there's a decimal place. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's big enough. You probably wouldn't notice, but when you make the meter, 
one of the biggest things on the screen and you make a big deal about that's what's happening and it doesn't even do anything and there's no like yeah like you would expect in a game like that to visibly be next to one thing and then visibly be next to another thing and see that difference and that's a huge part of godzilla like if you've seen shin godzilla it's a huge part of like why they're all freaking out because they're trying to like science out how he could possibly be growing that fast and gathering that much energy. Meanwhile, in this, it's like, if you think about it, if you're on the ground looking up at Godzilla and you're, and he's destroying these buildings, we grew the equivalent of like a meter and a half, which you think about that is like maybe five feet. So if you consider like Godzilla and its stature and then like a little human looking yeah, up at Godzilla, you'd never know. You would never know that Godzilla grew that fast. Now over time, maybe, and maybe that's, you know, as you progress, you get bigger and bigger and bigger, and maybe you get more powers as you kind of progress through that setting. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just definitely very interesting, that component of it. But look, at the end of the day, uh, three out of four, I don't think is very deserving of this. I think a six out of 10 is gonna be more so to area. I think the controls are the biggest problem. Uh, and I think that the clunkiness of just his punches and other stuff, I think there was a little bit of unfairness in the boss rushes where you were actively in the middle of punching an enemy oh, yeah. and it just like breaks they and just starts punching you. They just don't give a shit. They yeah. just have iframes for days. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a few areas like that that are a bit broken, but I don't think it's an unplayable game by all means. And I wouldn't put it as the worst PlayStation 4 game out there. Okay. Unplayable is... One way to put it, um, it's not unplayable. I would just say it's like unfun playable. Like I would not grind out all the content in there. There's way better Godzilla games like Godzilla Destroy All Monsters. I was talking about on the GameCube. I have really fond memories of that. Well, maybe that's the game we play because I, I have it. I think I've got it on the Xbox as well. But like, I think, I think that there. there's better ways to do Godzilla. I would love to see like this same game approach like i'm fine with like even the tank controls but it's got to feel better and it's got to be where like like i want a game with better destructible environment where you can like swing your tail through and it'll cut off part of a building and if it receives enough structural damage it'll go down but otherwise it's just got this chunk missing like that would be cool and really utilize the power of like a next gen console in a cool way i think the biggest disappointment with this game is just that it's poorly controlled uh the combat isn't very rewarding or feel very good when you're doing it and the whole thing looks like it's a generation older than what it was it just didn't deliver in the way that a ps4 godzilla title that goes for $200 should yeah it falls flat in all those categories so it's like I'm not going to give it a number rating but um, I don't think anybody on earth could argue that this is not inflated to the moon and beyond well, yeah, I would say based on the price, it's definitely inflated. And, you know, looking at the building mechanics and when they fall down, it definitely did feel like PS2 War of Monsters and how those buildings collapse and such. But I think at the end of the day, that's just kind of what you got to do with that type of game when it is like that world destruction type of feeling. Uh, I really wish the levels were expanded a bit more, but I get it. It's They were all these be, little boxes. Yeah, it's got to be condensed to an extent. You got these like orange strips that outline uh, the outside of the area to make sure that you don't go beyond those barriers. So it's kind of limiting in that respect, but 
I think it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, looking at brass tacks here, we've got the most expensive version is a complete in box PS4 version, and the cheapest version is a loose PS4 version. Uh, complete in box, you're looking at two hundred seventy-five dollars right nope. now. Two hundred dollars and seventy-five cents. Uh, okay, two hundred seventy-five, Ryan. It peaked though at two seventy-eight in April of twenty twenty-one. I should have sold my copy then, um, and then it is trending uh, steady right now. It's not going up or down. A loose copy. Oddly enough, is twenty cents less. So that's got to be an error as far as like eBay is concerned or price charting. But maybe nobody hardly ever sells it loose, and it just basically goes for the same price. Yeah, maybe that's it. So two hundred dollars fifty-five cents on that one. It peaked at two twenty-two thirty-eight in uh, May of this year as well, uh, and that is also trending at a steady rate. Of course, we are going to say that this game is highly, highly inflated. Uh, for what you're getting out of it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is, a, it is kind of a collectible, too. Um, I think this was a, a very limited print run, if I recall. I want to say it was an exclusive to uh, one of the retailers. It might have been GameStop that this was exclusive to. And when you start running into things like that, that's where your games begin to peak in value uh, for these current Just because they didn't make any. Yeah, kind of like when you look at like Xenoblade Chronicles back when it was like stupid prices on the uh, on a Nintendo Switch years ago. Um, you've got a number of, and there's a lot of actually uh, exclusive retailer games out there on like PlayStation 4 that actually go for decent prices. Hmm. Uh, this one, for whatever reason, I guess it was just more of a limited print run and it uh, skyrocketed up there for some I would weird say reason. This game is definitely in one of those positions like we get every so often. I got to imagine that there is a not small group of Godzilla merch collectors. And I got to feel like a fair number of copies of this game probably wind up in the hands of those people over video game collectors because I think it's going to have more inherent value to them as a piece of Godzilla merch than just as some random GameStop exclusive game that's not very good that you're never going to play and it's going to sit on your shelf and hopefully continue to appreciate, but yeah. not really in any meaningful contributing way to your collection. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. I would say your best bet would to be like, you know, wait to see this thing climb up over 250 and then sell it and trade it in for a game that you really want that is expensive. Use this as a barter token rather than something to keep around. Yeah. And uh, I'm just kind of, because I know we're going to be ending this episode. Maybe that's what we should minute. do. Maybe we should come up with like a, a better or a more elaborate rating system instead of just inflated, deflated. Maybe we're going to have like, this should be barter tools or, or whatever. We'll come, we'll, we'll think some ideas. Well, so uh, this episode you're listening to now, uh, we've recorded it on the 21st of August. It'll in your ears on the 30th of August. Uh, so next week on our next episode, uh, we will most likely... Dude, it's September. September starts with an S. Another game's you know, set starts with an S. So I think we make that our Simpsons month. We're going to do a Simpsons month, folks. We're bringing Spider Month back, but in a more yellow way. Yeah, so uh, 
We haven't really fully decided, but there's a ton of games out there. Is there a We've game got... with Spider Pig in it? We could tie this in a crossover. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. We've got Hit and Run. We've got uh, Road Rage. We've got Bart's uh, Nightmare. Bart's Skateboarding. We have the Krusty game on the Super Nintendo. I love the Simpsons Arcade. Yeah, so we've got quite there's a lots bit. to pick from. Well, and then uh, Arcade 1-Up has a Simpsons Arcade coming out. So if only, if only, right? We'll never be able to get our hands on that. That'll be sold out immediately and oh, scalped. I know, right? Like just everything else in the world right now. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We got some cool games out there. I absolutely love me some some Simpsons Road Rage. Wasn't a big fan of Hit and Run personally. Never played the skateboarding. We played Simpsons Wrestling about two years ago yeah. or so. So we're not gonna play that one because that's already been done. Uh, but dude, that's Willie's the king. <laughs> yeah, Willie is the king in that one. He's like, uh, what is it, Vega? And that's ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, we've got the Super Nintendo and Nintendo titles that are out there uh, that we'll be looking at. I don't think there's anything on GameCube, if I recall, outside of like Hit and Run and Road Rage, because that was PS2 era. So, uh, well, we'll be playing that pretty soon. Coming to your ears uh, next week. Uh, but that being said, this has been episode 146 of the Game of Flitters podcast. My name's John. And I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>